Hey, online family. Hey. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We're in a series. It's called This Is Us. Yeah, and what we're doing is we're playing off of a popular TV show right now that's out called This Is Us. And in this show, a death in the past of this family um, really shapes both the individual lives of those in the family and the overall dynamic of the family. And so what we're doing is we're kind of saying, okay, there was a death in our past and also a resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that impacts us both as individuals and how it does shape uh, the dynamic of our church family. That's right. Hey, God bless you. See ya. We're going to continue in this series and uh, the premise is this, that someone who died 2,000 years ago still today affects our lives okay, has a direct impact on our lives. And really what we've been doing is going through the book of Ephesians, and this is just another way to say it, okay? And if you didn't know this, the book of Ephesians is an incredible book. And we've, we've gotten in about, we're on the fourth chapter right now, and, and in the first couple, three, what the apostle Paul just lays out is who people are when they get in Christ, you know? And anybody, anybody, like Pastor Stephen was talking about, we live in this day, we call it the age of grace. And, you know, that might be, even sound like a Christian term, but basically it's this, that it's easy to get in Christ. It's easy. Anybody can get in Christ. God has called every one of you, none of you, just like we sang this morning, no one is forsaken. No one is left out. God is on your side. He wants you in the family, okay? There's no rejects, okay? The plan was is that there'd be this opportunity in like in this day we're living where people could just say, hey, I believe in what Jesus did for me. You know, I want to take advantage and ask him into my life and just come in. And, and, and so what Paul's laying out is what happens when someone does this amazing thing? Personally, you know, I, I, I got born again back in the 70s. And, and um, you know, and it was, it was life-changing. But it was not the end of anything. It was the beginning of something. It was the beginning. It was walking through the door into this new room that I was exploring. And, you know, I didn't know anything. And I was just kind of finding my way around. But Paul is talking to Christians, you know, in that day that are the same as you and I today. And he's saying, look, guys, this is what we got now that we're gone, we've gone through the door. This is what we can experience. This is who we are now. So, yeah, there you go. There's the first three chapters right there. Now, he says some amazing things that, that, that blow my mind even today. And today, we're going to, you know, primarily, we're going to talk out of Ephesians 4, we're going to talk about our thoughts and, and uh, how powerful thoughts are. And, and you know, I, I, I was thinking about it. You start talking about thoughts. People, people we can gravitate to the wrong end, and, and we can get under condemnation so quickly. And we can start thinking, well, I had a bad thought this morning. You know what? Who hasn't had a bad thought? You know that? Just because you had a bad thought doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. You know, if the fact is, as long as you're here on planet Earth, as long as you're here breathing air, bad thoughts are going to come into your head. You can't even stop. I mean, they're going to come, okay? The thing is that I'm talking about today is recognizing them. 
and not letting them dwell in our minds, okay? Not letting them be the pattern that we act on. And, and you know, one of the things I'm going to nail today and talk about the most is, is just thoughts that, that bring you down. Thoughts that bring you to a lower level than God created you. Because, you know, thoughts, you know, you guys heard this story? These guys went camping, you know. They're, they're, you know I, I used to go camping when I was in high school a lot. We'd, we'd do, that was our, our thing, to go away on a weekend and go camping. You probably didn't even know that about me, did you, Stephen? But I, I had my own tent and everything. I, I, I was in this thing, man. Had a, had a Coleman stove. I did this stuff. But, you know, some, this wasn't me, but some guys went camping, and, 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 you know, through the course of a day, one of the guys says, you know, I'm really tired. I'm going to take a nap. So, you know, when a bunch of guys go camping, this can happen. They start thinking of pranks, things they can do to the other person to, you know. Anyway, so this guy's in the tent sleeping, and the other guys, they go and they get this Limburger cheese. And they, they go right while the guy's sleeping, they smear it right under his nose. Okay? And they don't even wake him up when they do it. But, but eventually the guy wakes up. And, you know, what would anybody do with Limburger cheese under their nose? They'd take a deep breath. They'd go, ah, ah, something smells in here. And, you know, they look around. He looks around the tent and he goes, man, it stinks in here. And so he goes outside. And he goes over to the campfire. And he takes a deep breath and he goes, whoa, it stinks out here too. And so the guy, trying to get away from it, he runs down to the lake, and he takes another deep breath, and he's, he looks, and he goes, oh, my God, the whole world stinks. <laughs> and you see, some people are just like that guy. Everywhere they go, everything smells like Limburger cheese or something. But the problem is right under their nose. And more specifically to what we're talking about today, the problem lies between the ears and what you're thinking, what you're thinking. What we want to do is get rid of Limburger cheese thinking, okay? We want to analyze the kind of thoughts that are playing in our mind. And, you know, again, like I said, don't get under condemnation because everybody gets bad thoughts. They pop in there like out of nowhere. You could be in church. You could be sitting here right now and have a stupid thought come in your head. There's nothing wrong with you. What I'm saying, though, is let's recognize those thoughts and don't let them have a home here. Okay? Are you with me today? You see, I, I wanted to say this, too. You know, Pastor Stephen, he, he did a great job in, in just describing who we are as a church. You know, our mission, our mission is this, that we would, you know, have people here that experience and express the love of God. But another way I could say the same thing is this, that we want to see people get born again, and then we want to see people grow up. Okay? Do you hear me? Get born again and grow up in Christ. Okay? I'm not, I'm not sitting here like a parent saying, you need to grow up. I'm just stating a fact. I'm talking to me just as much as I am anybody. That, that, that getting born again is not the end. You know? It is just the beginning. And, and a sad thing is this, that many times people have gotten born again, but they stop right there. 
And they never allow what happened on the inside of them to develop and change their outside. You know, they never let it take over in their life. They never, you could say this, they never have learned to apply their Christianity to what their everyday life, okay? And we don't want to have that kind of stuff. We want to have, we want to have an atmosphere, we want to have a body here that thrives, that takes what God did for them on the inside, and they get that stuff working all through their life. They can apply it to, you know, you know where God really shines? In problems. Man, when you got a problem you're working through in life, and you can get God in on that, that's where he just stands out and just, he's a master at helping me through tough times and problems. And Everybody faces problems, okay? Don't be confused and think, well, you know, the pastor is talking about people being born again. I guess if they get born again, you never have a problem again. No, 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 no. See, people, people react because they know that's the truth. You get born again, you're just like every... The, the Bible says it like this one time. It says when the rain falls, it falls on the just and the unjust all at the same time. Isn't that amazing? Did you ever notice that as a Christian, you're walking out in the rain? You don't avoid all the raindrops. I, I, I wish my car would do that, you know? I wouldn't even need windshield wipers. But unfortunately, I need windshield wipers because the rain falls, and it falls on me. I get wet unless I'm with Dana and she has an umbrella. Anyway. All right, Ephesians 4, verse 17 is where we're going to read. The Apostle Paul's talking. He says, This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord that you would no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, let me just explain what, what something he, he's talking about here. Uh, the word walk here doesn't mean, you know, walk like, like he's judging how a person's steps are. Did you, ever, you guys ever watch Monty Python? Did you ever see the, the episode of the Silly Walkers? That was my favorite one. You know, anyway, if you didn't see it, YouTube it. But anyway, they just have these crazy guys that are just doing these crazy walks, and they're just insane Monty Python humor. But anyway, that's not what Paul's talking about at all. When he talks about walk, he's talking about your lifestyle. He's saying this, that your lifestyle, you know, ought to be seen by others, and there should be something different about you. He says this, he says, and then he uses this word Gentiles, which, you know, I've explained some, in, in, I think in this series I've even explained it. But Gentiles, when he, he uses this word, he's just talking about people that don't know God. So what he's saying is this, guys, listen, if you know God, if Jesus is in your life, if, if you've invited him to, to come and have an impact in you, he says, your life ought to be different than everybody else's. Now, he isn't saying, this is again, some, this is how I would have equated this before I was a Christian. I would have thought, well, that just means he's telling me I should go to church every Sunday. And I should wear a certain type of clothing. And I should wear my hair a certain way and, you know, and, and not cuss. Because, you know, we all know Christians never cuss. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> I, you know, that, that is something. You know, when I, when I, where I grew up, I grew up in North Minneapolis. And it was a rough area. I mean, you know, we had metal detectors going to school back in the 70s, you know, because we had riots and stuff. And, you know, we all cussed. We all cussed like sailors, if sailors know how to cuss. I don't know. And, and I know when I did get born again, I didn't even try, but I, I, I did stop 
using words like that. And it wasn't like I was trying. I wasn't like I, I thought, well, I better not say that again. But it's just like, goodness, it didn't come out. And frankly, I didn't know what to say because almost every other word was a cuss back then. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't freak me out. Sometimes people, sometimes I never tell people I'm a pastor when I'm just meeting them because they act different. And I don't want to see how you're acting around a pastor. I want to know you. And, and you know, so that's something people, you know, they, they get embarrassed that they cuss. I, I've heard everything. You can tell me nothing I haven't heard. But that's not what Paul's even talking about. He's saying this, that as Christians, we've got something amazing on the inside of us. And he's telling, he's, he's spent three chapters telling us about the goodness of God and, and, and what we have now. And he's saying, guys, we need to let this stuff out in our lives. People need to be able to look at us and say, wow, there is something different about them in a good way, okay? There's something different. They, they have a hold of something I need. They, they, when they get in trouble, it's not like they don't get in trouble. But when they do, it's like they know where to go with it. I need that in my life. When the neighbors are watching, you know, that's, that's what they should see. Let me read another version here, uh, the Jordan translation. He said this, he said, uh, quit living like the rest of society who live in the utter emptiness of their intellects. With the shades of their minds pulled down, complete foreigners to God's way of life. So the power of our thinking. This is what Paul's going to get across to us today. He, he, he says there's power, there's power in our thinking. And we need to quit thinking like everybody else and start thinking like God thinks. What does that mean? What in the world does that mean? Well, here's an example. You know, the Bible says this in, in one place in, in 2 Corinthians. It says, you're a brand new creature. So quit thinking about yourself like how you used to be. Think about yourself that I'm something new and I'm going to live some way new. You know, I'm not judging my future by how I lived in the past. I'm judging my future by what Jesus did for me. Okay? His death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, it changed me. I'm different because of that. So Paul goes on, I'm going to read this, and I'm, 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 I'm coming up to verse 23, but I'm going to read you the stuff in between here. He says in verse 18, he says, They have their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Now, I'm not speaking bad about anybody. He's just stating the fact. When you haven't received Christ, your perception is wrong about who he is. That's why I didn't receive him until I was 20 years old because I didn't perceive who he was. I thought, goodness, if I accept him, he's going to ruin all my fun, you know? And, and you know one of the biggest things that hit me as a new Christian back then is, is I was sitting in my room just talking with God one night, and, and he began to speak to my heart, you know, and it wasn't like an audible voice or anything, but this, this thought came into my mind, and I knew it was from God, and he said this to me. He says, he says I'm your creator, and if anybody knows how to satisfy you, I know how to satisfy you. And I was sitting there blown away. I was like the guy in that commercial with the stereo speakers where his hair was blowing back. That's how I felt like. I was like, wow. Or maybe it was Jim on taxi. I don't know. One of them, though. It, it, just, it, was, just, it was like one of them moments that I was like, wow. I'm not going to run from God. He knows how to get into my heart and satisfy me like no other. 
any case. So, so you know, I didn't know that about God until I received him. But, but that's what Paul's saying is that people that haven't received him, their understanding is darkened. And it keeps them from coming to God. So he says they're past feeling, giving themselves over to lewdness and work all uncleanness and greediness. But he says, but you've not learned so in Christ. If indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him that as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to his deceitful lust. Now here's verse 23. This is where I wanted to go. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I would say this, that the number one need of Christians today or any day is having their mind renewed. And what do you mean by that? What in the world is that all about? It's this, is that getting your mind renewed just means that you get your head thinking like your heart. Not just any heart. I'm talking about the, the real you. I'm talking about the person that became a new creature in Christ when they got born again. Are you following me? Okay, you're kind of a quiet group today. I'm going to prod you a few times, make you talk. Sort of, yeah. I'm going to read this, verse 24, and then we'll come back. It says, And put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. How do you put on the new man? Well, he's in you. You put him on by start thinking like that new man. Start thinking like the man on the inside. Start thinking that God is for me, not against me. I am a child of God. I'm going to declare it today. Now, here, my favorite, uh, verse 23, is the Jerusalem uh, translation Bible. He says this, your mind must be renewed by a spiritual revolution. So I would say this, that old thoughts, old thought patterns can die hard, okay? It's not like you're going to hear Pastor Paul preach one Sunday morning right after a kid's program. Talk about a tough act to follow. How do you mess with a sheep that's staring at the, at the? <laughs> Aren't those your favorite parts of programs? I would hate it if everything just went picture perfect at a Christmas program. I mean, I love that stuff. I, 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 you know, I always keep a hanky handy because Dana's known to, to break into tears at Christmas programs. But anyway. <laughs> so, any case, where was I? Anyway, Pastor Stephen, keep me on track, will you? So he says this, your mind must be renewed by a spiritual revolution. And old thought patterns can die hard, okay? They, they, they can try to hang on. It isn't like you just hear some message one time and you say, well, now my mind is renewed. Bless God, I can do everything. And I tell you what, mind, renewing your mind is an ongoing thing. Your mind doesn't stay renewed I'll give you a brother Kenneth E. Hagan quote. He says, your mind don't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. Ow. <laughs> Bless God. All right, so it's like, a, he, Paul says, it's like a revolution. And what is a revolution? A revolution is where, where you know, uh, one government is overthrown by, by another group. And you see, in light of the other scriptures he's talking about here is, is, is we were walking around like the rest of the world, the rest of society, and, and we were thinking like them. And Paul's saying, guys, quit thinking like that. You've got to have this revolution inside where your spirit rises up and says, hey, I'm the boss now. We're not going to think like that anymore. Good. 
Dane and I lived through a revolution. We lived in the country of Haiti back in the, whenever it was, the mid-80s. And they had been under a dictator, by uh, his name was Baby Doc. And before that, it was under the dictatorship of Papa Doc. Can you figure that one out? There you are, hey? So Papa Doc died when, when uh, Jean-Claude de Valliere was 19, and he became the, one of the youngest uh, dictators around. And that's why they called him Baby Doc. Anyway, he was not really uh, well-liked by anybody, probably. Uh, did a lot of things that weren't nice. But uh, eventually, a group of people rose up, and there was a, a revolution. And it wasn't just like one day. It was like there was, we lived there. There was little sprinklings of revolts happening here and there. And then finally, it just was this, this ousting of, of a government. And even getting him out, it didn't just change. In fact, it still hasn't really changed completely. It isn't what they'd want it to because, you know, chaos lingers. I remember when we were there and, and Dana one morning, right the day after the revolution, it was interesting, like the week before that happened, I remember we had guests living with us at the time and they were down on a missions trip. There was just this brother and sister and they were helping us with projects around the, 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 the house and the, the yard and stuff and we were painting the wall. We had a wall around our house. That's how everybody had a wall around their house. And, and, and um, I remember uh, the, the, we, we were prompted to pray like a week before the revolution, we walked around the entire, you know, we don't do this stuff every day, but we walked around the entire yard and just prayed and, and uh, asked for God's protection. And then they have the revolution. And I remember one morning I, I, I heard Dana scream. And, and she has a great scream. She can really belt one out and gets the attention of everybody in the house. It's happened on numerous occasions for different reasons. There was the time that she was making chicken in Haiti we had a cook during the week, you know. Girl, lady uh, Lulu would come in and, and cook our meals every day. But on the weekend, we were on our own, so we'd go to the store and buy stuff. And we bought chicken one time, and, and Dana was preparing, washing it. And uh, she opened the pack, and in Haiti, the claw is like the, one of the featured parts. And she opened up the chicken, you know where the, the gizzards and all that stuff are? And all of a sudden, a claw came out. And, ah! <laughs> People were upstairs getting cleaned up. They came running down. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, Dana was just cleaning the chicken. The claw popped out. It's okay. Go back to what you're doing. But she screamed, and, and, and I, I came, she came running out of the bedroom, and she'd been in there looking in the mirror, putting mascara or something on, you know, stuff like I do every day, you know. But, you know, and we lived on the second, we, our, our bedroom was on the second story of this house. Some of you have been there. I know we've had a couple trips to Haiti. And, and there's like this ledge all the way around the house. It's probably two feet, I don't know, big enough you could walk on. And, and, and she's putting on her makeup, looking in the mirror, and there's a soldier on the ledge of our house with a machine gun. And he, he looks inside the window, and therefore she screamed. This time it was really warranted. She came running, we came running, you know, we, we prayed. And then, then they, 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 of course, they got really upset with me because I was taking pictures. Remember the, the noisy cameras? You take those 35-millimeter cameras, and they pointed their machine guns at me, and I said, no problem. I'll quit taking pictures. But anyway, this was revolution stuff. It, it didn't come easy. And, and, and uh, thoughts can die hard. But you know what? Putting God's word in your mind, acting on God's word, will eradicate bad thinking patterns. 
It's like the devil lives in bad thinking patterns. He keeps people from truly expressing who they are in Christ because of wrong thinking. And that's why we're talking about this today. That's why Paul talked about it back then. He says, guys, guys, you got the greatest thing in the world. You got God living inside you. Now we need to live our lives. We need to learn to live and think like new creations, like Christians, and, and let him get into every area of our life. That's what we're talking about today. So um, Albert Einstein, you guys heard of him? Nobody heard of him. Anyway, okay. This is what he said. He said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. So what has to happen? We've got to change our thinking. If you've been walking around with a poor self-image your whole life, I'm telling you what, you need to start thinking like God thinks. You need to learn to recognize thoughts that don't line up with what God says and don't allow them to exist. Don't allow those thoughts to exist in your head. Okay? And, and you know, it's, it's like I say, it's, an, it's a lifelong mission. Because I live in this fallen world. I live in this world that isn't the way God originally intended it to be. And I'm confronted with nastiness day after day, just like you are. And it can, it can wear on your mind to where, but you got to come back to it and say, no, this is what God says. This is who God says I am. All right, I'm not going to think anything else. I'm going to think like God thinks. All right. Let me, let me, say, let me read this. Matthew 5.13, Jesus said this. He said, you're the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out, thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Then he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do they light a lamp and put it under, under a basket. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? You know, light a lamp or you turn on a flashlight and put a cover over it. I mean, that's what he says. That wouldn't be right if you lit a lamp and put a basket over it. But they put it on a lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. Then he says this, Jesus says this, So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So what Jesus said is this, my interpretation. When you get born again, you get lit inside. How many can say you got lit? I got lit. And Jesus is in me. But he says this, that even though Jesus is in you and even though you're lit, you could keep that concealed from everybody around you by this bushel basket or otherwise called an unrenewed mind. Your thinking can limit God's expression in your life. So what's the answer? We need to start thinking like God thinks. I'm going to just go to this. There's a, there's a prophet in the Old Testament, one of my heroes, okay? You guys got heroes in the Old Testament? Didn't they just seem like superhuman people almost? But really, the truth is they weren't. They were just like you and me. They just had a superhuman God, and they believed in him, and God did amazing, miraculous things through him. Well, I don't, one of my, my heroes from the Old Testament is this prophet. His name is Elijah. And not to be confused with Elisha. Okay, there's two of them. There's Elisha and Elijah, and the way I keep them separate in my mind is this. You probably thought I had some spiritual method. I did it, but this is how I really do it. Elijah is spelled with a J. Elisha is spelled with an S. Elijah came first, and then Elisha. That's just how I do it. You can do it however you want to, but, but Elijah was, was just a 
powerhouse. And, and one of the things that Elijah is known for is that he confronted these, these prophets of a false god called Baal. And he, he had what you'd call an old-fashioned, I guess it wouldn't have been old-fashioned Western showdown back then, but it would have been a uh, showdown, okay? You know, anyway. So, uh, so anyway, he says, listen, guys, whoever is serving the true God, let his God answer with fire. That's what he says to these prophets of Baal. And, and, you know, there were more of them than there, were of, there was just Elijah, okay? And there was all these other guys. And he says, listen, whoever's serving the real God, let him answer by fire. So they, they made this altar, and the, the prophets of Baal, they moaned and groaned and did all kinds of things, and nothing happened. And so Elijah, you know, he comes out, and the guy, the guy knew how to play it, man. He knew how to, he, he had him pour water on the altar all over the sacrifice, did all this stuff. And then he just simply, you know, calls on God, you know, without a big moan in his voice. Do you ever, you ever hear people, and maybe you've done it, maybe I've done it, where you feel like God hears you more if you moan a little bit? Oh, God. No, man, you know, Elijah didn't pull that stuff. He just went out and says, God, hey, you know, he said a simple prayer, and fire came down from heaven. It consumed everything on the altar, licked up the water. It was wild. And so he, he, he made a real show of everything. And, and uh, the queen at that time, her name was Jezebel, and she was not a good lady. And when all this went down, she sent out a decree and said, I want Elijah, I want him killed. And so you know what Elijah did when all this happened? This is the guy that just a moment ago was calling fire from heaven. And now the queen says, hey, I want him dead. You know what Elijah did? He ran for his life. He ran for his life. And picking up in 1 Kings 19.4, Elijah ran, and it said he went himself about a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat down under a broom tree. Uh, there's different versions, call it different trees, but he sat down under a tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And what strikes me, and I'm sure does you too, how quickly he went from a place of victory to a place of defeat. And what really we're going to find out, the root of it was wrong thinking. You say, well, no, I think the root of it was Jezebel. No. A minute ago, so to speak, he was standing there calling fire down from heaven. Do you think he'd need to be afraid of Jezebel or anybody under her control? I don't think so. But he had wrong thinking get in. And, and the Bible is so cool it's just so transparent. It tells all these details of people when they win and when they lose. And, and like I said, Elijah, he's like one of my heroes. He's one of my heroes. And what it tells me is this, that anybody can fall into wrong thinking. And I'll say this, anybody who's fallen into wrong thinking can change their thinking. Okay? So what happens is Elijah, you know, he sits under this tree, and he's having a pity party for sure, and, and rightly so. And, and uh, uh, an angel actually comes down and visits him. That's cool. The angel gives him some cake, and uh, he goes in the, the strength of this cake for 40 days, you know, 
so it was pretty good cake. And, and the next time it talks about him here in, in verse 9, it says he goes into a cave. And he, and he spent the night in that place. And here's where it gets good. He says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, uh, for the Lord God of, of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I'm alone. I'm left alone. And they seek to take my life. And, and so the Lord, again, he, he spoke to Elijah, you know, just in a still small voice, okay? But here's what, where Elijah was at, was, was I'm all alone in this thing. He says that he might have called fire down from heaven, but I'm all alone in the world. That's a terrible thought. Maybe some of you have even had that kind of thought. I'm all alone in the world. Nobody else is standing like I'm standing. Or, or all, everybody's deserted me. I'm telling you, your mind can play all kinds of songs in your head. Isn't it crazy? Isn't your mind, it's really pretty incredible. You know? Dana got up this morning, there was a song in her head, and she just sang like, two words from it or something. And then, then for like an hour, I had that song in my head. Till we had to go search it out on her iPad and play it on the stereo. Say, oh yeah, that's how it goes, yeah. Mind is, is wild. But, but Elijah had this thought. That was the root of this whole thing is I'm all, alone in the, I'm all alone in this thing. And that thought, dwelling on that thought, brought him to a low place. First it brought him under a tree and then it brought him to a cave. He wanted to be in a cave in the dark. Now, I kind of like caves. I do. I'm, I'm notorious for, for, like, not having a bunch of lights on and stuff. And Dana comes around. You can tell whenever Dana's been here, every light in the place is on. <laughs> Shades are up. Lights are on. Yeah, all right. Don't ever let her have the spotlight, man. She'll go, it's all over. So you and I live in this world. We're going to all face tests. We're going to all face trials. We're going to all have thoughts come into our head, but we need to know this. We're not alone. And, and the Lord spoke to Elijah. I, I didn't tell the, this part, but he said, Elijah, let me tell you the truth. You see, you want to know what gets rid of wrong thinking? The truth will get rid of wrong thinking. God's word will get rid of wrong thinking. So the Lord spoke to Elijah and said, hey, you're not alone. There's 7,000 in Israel that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. Don't let the devil tell you you're all alone. Don't let him tell you you're the only one. Don't let him fill your mind with depression, even in this Christmas season when everybody is having a good time. Don't ever compare your season to somebody else's. Do you know that? Everybody else looks like they're having way more fun than you are. Tell you what, everybody, you know, when you're driving on a windy day, no matter what the cars look like, they're all fighting the same wind. But I tell you what we can do is we can be aware of wrong thinking. We can be aware of wrong thoughts. And, and we can get better and better at this, at catching them in the doorway of our mind and saying, no, I'm not going to think that way. No, I'm going to replace that thought with a God thought. And I'm going to live what's on the inside of me. I'm going to end this morning. And I'm going to have Pastor Stephen just come up and just pray at the end. In James 1.21, I'll just read this one. It says this, Lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Here's the part. Receive with meekness the word, the word of God, that has the ability to save your soul. Now James, James was talking to Christians. He, if you read the whole chapter, you'll find that at the very beginning. He's talking to people who are Christians. And he's telling them this. He says, guys, listen. Be teachable. Be meek. Be open. Receive God's word in your life. It'll give you the power to save your soul. Your soul is just your mind, your will, and emotions. It's a very important part of you. Okay? And... and uh, let me tell you a quick story. You guys got two minutes? I heard this preacher telling this the other day. Two people go into a restaurant. One of them has been spending time in the Word. The other one is a good Christian, but he hasn't really been connecting with God. So he goes into this, this restaurant, and, and right on the table, right in front of him, you know, in front of both of them, there's a crumpled up $100 bill. $100. Benjamin Franklin is looking at them both. But they, you know, they, they don't see it right away. And the one guy who's been staying connected with God, feeding on the word, he gets up to go to the bathroom, to, to the restroom. And the other guy's sitting at the table, and all of a sudden he has the aha moment. He sees the crumpled up $100 bill, and he says, the thoughts that go through his mind are this. Wow, nobody has seen this. Nobody's seen this $100 bill. The waitress doesn't even know it's there. My friend doesn't know it's there, and he went to the restroom. I could take that $100 bill. How many like a $100 bill? Yeah. I would take one. And, 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 and so he has this whole mind thing that goes on for, for minutes. It seems like hours probably, but it's just been minutes. And all of a sudden, his friend comes out of the restroom. And he sits down at the table. And in a moment, he notices the same thing that's sitting there as that $100 bill. Without even a thought, he picks up that $100 bill, holds it over his head and says, Hey, waitress, you got a good one here. Now, here's the deal. Neither one of them guys did anything wrong. But one of them had a big fight. The other one didn't. One of them had the connection, had the word. His, the truth was radiating in his heart and in his mind, and there was no temptation there. The other guy, although thoroughly a Christian, didn't have that connection cause them temptation. Stay plugged in. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So, love y'all. God bless you.